we are back. Warp and Woof Radio, RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We come to you every Wednesday from 10 until noon. I and my co-host, Dr. Clyde Posley, pastor of Antioch Baptist Church, lecturer, professor, uh, intellectual extraordinaire as far as I'm concerned. Uh, we were just with our wives last night at uh, the pro-life uh, meeting uh, down at the Marriott. It was great to be there with a whole bunch of folks. Uh, thanks again to uh, Kenton uh, for uh connecting with us, community, Christian Community Connect, giving us those tickets. Uh, fantastic table, a great opportunity to be invested in the future, not just only of this country, uh, but also in terms of the future of young people. Pro-Life uh, Conference last evening. Uh, today, Dr. Clyde and I are going to be talking about the issue of inerrancy. Can we trust scripture to be true? Uh, thought I would just uh, bring something to show everybody. Uh, this was something that I taught and then wrote, uh, published uh, over, boy, 15 years ago. It was published in 2001 through Purposeful Design. And the idea of this particular uh, curriculum, as you can tell, if you can see it, is an apologetic for the reliability, authenticity, historicity of Scripture, uh, whether or not we can actually trust Scripture. Uh, so the uh, concept of this curricular development is something I've been dealing with for a very long time. I've been teaching students for a very long time because it's an imperative for us. Uh, if the scriptures are not historically accurate, if we can't trust them to be what they say they are, that is a document and a witness to what has happened in the past, acts, specific acts in space-time history, uh, then we really don't have anything to go on. We, we don't have a foundation upon which to stand. We don't have authority under which to stand either. And so we are going to be discussing that powerful and important topic of whether or not we can trust the Bible to be true. There are any number of books that we'll be dealing with, uh, but you will be hearing uh, from two very uh, un decidedly and unapologetic conservative uh theologians on this particular topic, we're concerned that uh, people understand that there is actually an authority base uh, to which we must give an account, and that uh, we learn everything that we need to learn uh, and more about Jesus, for instance, uh, certainly in the text of Scripture. But before we get to our discussion today, and before Dr. Clyde and I begin that process, I wanted to give a shout out to our the, the baseline uh, contributor to this uh, particular event every Wednesday, which is uh, the Comenius Institute. At the Comenius Institute, we cross three bridges. The first bridge is into college at IUPUI, for instance. Uh, we help Christian college young people to think differently about their subject areas and about the uh, ideas that they hear about on the college campus. And then we cross boundaries into communities. Communities, of course, through the radio show. Our emphasis is always to bring in folks who are doing good, Titus 3, 1, 8, and 14, based on the concepts that come to us, not only from the Second Testament, but also from the First. And the idea, of course, is always the same. That is to bring people together, Christians, to demonstrate to the world around us that there, there are good things that are happening from the church. And then the third bridge that we cross is into culture. And by culture, we mean how people live, and that engages lots of different directions for, for us. Um, I'm constantly on social media, for instance. You can see my uh, commitment to uh, thinking Christianly about all things there. I was just on the radio uh, show down in Tennessee, uh, Moody Radio, this morning, uh, talking about accusations, accusers, and the accused, and what does the Bible say about such things. 
Uh, you can listen to that podcast if you go to Moody Radio and check out the Chattanooga station. Uh, I'm also invested in writing. So uh, the, the final draft, the final draft for my uh, piece on the theological roots of the abolitionist movement uh, is finally finished into the publisher, will be published this fall. Very excited about that. Grateful for the opportunity to uh, write on those kinds of things. And um, actually this next month, one more plug for something else in culture. I will be speaking at Mary University on the 30th of October to the English department there on Gothic literature. And the title of my talk is Evil Shares My Bed, which is actually a uh, kind of a rendition, a riff on W.H. Uh, Auden's poem about Herman Melville. Evil Shares My Bed. So we'll be talking about the issue of Gothic literature and what importance there is to that and why we should uh, pay attention to literature as a whole and then, of course, to Gothic literature in particular. So that kind of gives you a rundown of Comenius Institute. We're always looking for uh, folks who are willing to sponsor us. So if you're interested in that, go to our partner page at ComeniusInstitute.org. Uh, that's ComeniusInstitute.org or .com. And go to the partner page uh, on the dropdowns. Uh, you'll see an easy connection there to PayPal, to uh, credit cards, uh, if you're at all interested in uh, meeting with me about such things, I'll be happy to do that with you as well. Uh, shoot me a message at Eckel, that's my last name, E-C-K-E-L, 1957 at Gmail, and I'll be happy to interact with you about the kinds of things that are possible uh, when you uh, sponsor this particular show. So we would be grateful for your $25 gift a month. We would give, be grateful for your $50 gift a month. $100 gift a month. And of course, as we think about the future, uh, we are also thinking about uh, who is going to be uh, walking arm in arm with me down the road into the future. And we have great plans for that. Uh, if you'd like to discuss that further with me, I'd be happy to do that. Right now, however, we are always grateful for uh, the partnership and the patronage of those uh, not only near, but also far. My students from Years and years and years. I've been teaching from 1983. I must have 10,000 students by now at various institutions. Uh, happy to interact with anybody anytime about those things. So today's uh, topic, today's direction uh, for our talk is going to be on the issue of can we trust the Bible to be true? The issue of inerrancy specifically. Uh, is the Bible uh, errorless? You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio at radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We are going to be taking a one-song break, and when we come back, uh, we're going to begin our discussion with Dr. Clyde Posley and myself on the topic of inerrancy, uh, how the Scripture uh, does not have errors in its original uh, format, in its original autographs. We'll be discussing all of those things. Warp and Woof Radio, RadioNX.TV at the Cool Groove site. A one-song break, and we'll be right back. Hello, my friend. So Facebook Live, YouTube Live, thank you for hanging in there with us. Uh, we are glad to be a part of your lives here this morning. And for those of you who pick us up on the archive, happy to do that as well. Uh, so good to see you this morning, my brother. Good to see you. Well, it's been just a couple hours, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But you explained that to people. Yes, I did. No, I'm, I'm just joking. Yeah. I'm just joking. <laughs> we, oh, talked we had a great time last night. Yeah, I talked about the pro-life uh, conference last night. A great meal. Uh, it was a wonderful time. 
Um, talked a little bit, kind of set, set us up here for the topic uh, generally about inerrancy, but um, overall with the general idea of can we trust the Bible to be true? Can we trust the Bible? That's yeah. right. Can so, we trust the Bible? Is it true? Why should we trust the Bible? Yeah. What is inerrancy? That's right. Um, there is uh, considerable, thank you. There is cons considerable, as, as there is, as there has been years considerable of the authenticity of scripture mm -hmm. as well as the which which could arguably go in line with the inherency of scripture that's right even if a person embraces it to be infallible or or uh, reliable doesn't mean that it, it, it is their authority right. in their mind exactly right yeah, yeah. that's and right and what does that mean what does a life committed to the authority of Scripture look like? Mm -hmm. or what is, I, I didn't listen to it because there is no perfect example of that uh, in the earth. Uh, Jesus, who is Scripture. <laughs> That's right. I mentioned this uh, to people. I thought I'd bring it just to uh, give you a give you a sense of some of the stuff I've done in the past. This is a curriculum that's uh, used around the world teach in Christian schools. Yeah. So I, that's a lesson, man. Yeah, I, yeah, that's a, was published in 2001. And so there's a teacher's guide to that as well as the student handbook and all that kind of stuff. I've been, I've met people from all kinds of places that are teaching in Christian schools. Um, around the world that have that have used that text and other texts that I've written. So I thought you could just get a kick out of seeing that. Fantastic. Yeah. So this is something that's, uh, you know, to me is is the foundation stone. If you don't have a, a text upon which you can rely, you might as well kiss this that's thing right. goodbye, you know. That's right. And, and, and interestingly enough, in, in, in an overarching way, or, or maybe it's not the right word, but, 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 one of the emerging problems, let me hold on. One of the emerging problems is that human text is, in my opinion, taking the place of the Holy Writ. There you go. Yeah. We, 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 we are too, we, we have become a nation that's seeking to read people, which is interesting because we should read people. We just need to know what, what we are reading or if what we are reading in people mm -hmm. is real. More specifically, is what they say love is what love actually is. Mm -hmm. You know, is that the scripture? Yeah. Is 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 this is this love or is is or or is, is the physicality uh, between a man and a woman love? Or it, even in our age today, is 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 it possible for for two men or two women to have the type of love that? The scripture talks about when it discusses marriage. Mm -hmm. Does the Bible support that? Mm -hmm. Of course, we don't. I don't believe it does. You know, but 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 we, that's going back to whether or not we should be reading human text yes. and give it authority that's over right. the scripture. That's right. This, this is this is there's much to be discussed here. Yes, and the importance of having an authority is huge. So right. I was discussing this with a group the other day about authorial intent, whether or not you can trust the author to have an intention when they originally wrote this text. 
And so when pick a text, it doesn't really matter. But in university settings, in English departments today, of course, the emphasis is always on one of reader response. So what does the reader interpret right. this text as right. is the authority now. And, and, and see, I take some issue with that. Yeah. I, I remember having these debates in, in, in theological foundation classes. I was always antithetical to the notion that, um, or, or whether I'm concerned about how much weight the culture uh, of, of origin relative to the, the writing of a passage mm -hmm. or should have on uh, what how we interpret it. I don't I don't know that I agree that for example just just is getting further into the point that the scripture is true based on proper interpretation. Who's proper interpretation? Mm -hmm. And and let's say the scripture was written uh, in a culture to deal with the culture's issues at that time. But the scripture is the principles and the statutes that mm -hmm. scripture sets forth, in my view, mm -hmm. that, that makes it inerrant, that makes it timeless. Okay. Not the culture, because if, if culture is heavily weighing on interpretation, we have what we have now. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's right. Yep. Not that it shouldn't it have any. And we are back, Warping Roof Radio, RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We come to you from 2131 East 10th Street, right across the street from the Bonner Center. And if you want to have lunch with us, Burger King across the street as well. Serve up some really nice salads over there if you're so inclined. Happy to meet with anybody anytime. You're listening to Dr. Clyde Posley, Dr. Mark Eckel, discussing the importance of inerrancy today, the concept of whether or not we can trust the book that is the scriptures, the Bible, the Christian uh, understanding of authority as an authoritative text, whether or not that's going to be something that will hold up. And so last night, Dr. Posley, you and I were having a bit of a conversation about this as we were at the uh, pro-life dinner. Mm -hmm. And we were discussing um, our discussion for this morning. And you were telling me about why this, this issue of inerrancy uh, is important to you. And you gave me some a background to a story that has been developing uh, in the church settings. Why don't you go back to that and kind of lay the, give us a lay of the land of that? Well, um, you know, there are, there are assaults today uh, trying to uh, push certain cultures, black cultures, into being more pro uh, Quran. Uh, there are, uh, there's the rise of uh, uh, the, the concepts and thoughts of whether or not black people are the uh, Israelites of the scripture. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, there is the, uh, and, and the, the Edomite concepts, the, kind of the, the various interpretations of what actually is, should be our thinking relative to, um, uh, in, in contradiction to the Bible story of Esau uh, mm -hmm. and Jacob mm -hmm. in, in, in the Bible mm -hmm. and, and where the Muslim faith originated from and all these things. And, um, and so what we need to know, something what 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 I hear listeners need to need to be mindful of, be reminded of is something that you and I discuss often, and that is at all times when you are discussing theology or spirituality or or or, or kingdom living, you must have and have been committed to the scripture as your base of authority. Mm -hmm. As your as your epistemological source, mm -hmm. and you must be true to that, mm -hmm. and because if you're not first true to that, then you are open to the idea 
that that other um, uh, sources of, 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 of other writings, um, the Quran or, or hieroglyphics for that matter, are are are, are contain truths for you. Now let me say this, and then I'll get to uh, why we need an answer. The Quran may or may not contain some truths, uh, Sanskrit or um, hieroglyphics, or, or 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 any 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 writings may contain a truth. That truth comes from God. And I think any writings, including the Bible, was written by flawed men. So we're not interpreting the man. We're, we are embracing the truths. And the truths, whether wherever they're found, I believe truth originates from God. Yeah. And I believe that God is behind the writing of the word of God. Not about whether or not um, 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 uh, the, 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 we embrace this, the, the, the writers of the, the interpreters of the Septuagint. Mm-hmm. It's not about, you know, people say, well, King James was a homosexual. That, that's God, King James is not my source. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's important for us to, to make up our minds, as we say all, all the time, that we have committed ourselves to, I believe, that the, he has provided us with the truths, whatever we call them, the King. King James Bible, the Wycliffe Bible, whatever we call them, or whatever version we want to interpret, use the New American Standard Version, or what that, that God has put through the God who has a son who's named Jesus has provided us with revelation about Himself to live as kingdom people. Mm-hmm. And, and and many people and many of you who call themselves Christians, Dr. Echo, have never done that. Mm-hmm. They believe in church. Mm-hmm. But they're not committed to the inerrancy of scripture. That scripture is not right. Mm-hmm. What are they standing on? Yeah. The preacher, his life. He's well. He's a sinner. Every pastor is a sinner. Hopefully, say, um, or they're depending on grandma's traditions. We've got. We've got. We've got to come up with that. And I think part of the problem that opens the door for many many believers in Christ. To be led astray, people come into scripture says come into house and lead people astray. It's because they don't have a grip, a commitment to the word of God. So we we are encountering two basic truths. You just suggested, first of all, there is a God, mm-hmm. and secondly, there is a God who has spoken who to has us. spoken to us. Yes, exactly. So those two are crucial linchpins to whatever else we are going. to that this God exists and that this God has spoken to uh, human beings. Right. And so so that those two things are important. And then to tag on to something else is that we do not believe that the writers were inspired. We believe the writings were inspired. There you go. Second Timothy chapter three is crucial in this regard so that the writings were God breathed. Now, to your point, you suggested that, these are flawed men and women. Well, of course they are. Everyone outside of Jesus is and has been. So then how do we know whether or not truth can come from them? Well, it did who spoke to the writings he superintended, he preserved. Absolutely. That, that is, and to think otherwise, in my view, is a humanistic attack and tactic to, to 
create some grounds to, to be antithetical against scripture. Mm -hmm. If we can, if we can keep this about men's interpretation, mm -hmm. Hebrews chapter one says, "Holy men spoke as they were moved mm -hmm. by the Holy Ghost." Mm -hmm. That is that is important because we are people of faith. We 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 my church success, your church ministry and success, your ministry, your 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 foundation is not predicated on the prowess mm -hmm. of Dr. Echo mm -hmm. or Clyde Posley. Mm -hmm. But it's 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 on our willingness to trust the leading of the Holy Spirit as explained to us. Mm -hmm. Not not just does God give us the way to carry out foundations, church, ministries, but he but but he gives us instruction. From the word of God and interpretation mm -hmm. from the word of God mm -hmm. as to how to proceed on behalf of God. It's interesting that you mentioned the uh, Second Peter one passage about being moved by the right. Spirit. Uh, that that word in the original language in Greek, moved, literally means to be uh, thrust by the wind. It's used of, of the Apostle Paul in Acts right. chapter twenty six. Uh, when his ship that he was on was moved, literally driven by the wind. Right. And so in this particular case, we have uh, a very important uh, emphasis that you've just suggested. And that is that this, even when we're talking about uh, the foundation of Scripture, where did it come mm -hmm. from originally? Obviously from the Spirit of God, but also this concept that the Spirit motivates and helps us to interpret the Scriptures. And so we see this again and again and again and, mm -hmm. uh, throughout the Bible that the spirit is the one who, who drives the interpretation of the interpreter, somebody who is uh, given uh, that spirit of God in this particular case and in this particular time period by the one who has saved us. Right. And, the, you, and, and, and we may have we may have tapped into, you know, uh, another uh, vein of necessary discussion as to why the authority of Scripture is, is trouble for, for belief, some believers. Mm -hmm. Is there a lack of relationships, uh, arguably, uh, if I could just notion this out, with the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. who is a person? Yes. You know, is not a thing. Mm. You know, he's a person. Uh, and, and, and for people who have accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, he lives in them, trying to uh, teach their new spirit and trying to interpret for them what the absence of understanding that that he's there to teach them and, and to interpret for them what they read then you are subject to trying to interpret scripture on your own if you read it at all mm -hmm. this is dangerous mm -hmm. for believers because god never intended for you as a saved person or for us as saved people to to get the pick up a bible just read it and let your mind tell you what it means. Mm -hmm. This is uh, an imperative concept. Uh, when you think about what it's, it says in Romans chapter 8, for instance, that you can either have the mind of the flesh or the mind of the spirit. That's right. And so the mindset shift that has to take place. And also the idea that we as human beings can, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, literally throw a wet blanket on the fire of the spirit of God right. within us. So we do bear responsibility to be receptive to the spirit within us so that he can indeed lead us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because see, our minds, well, the mind of the flesh, as you, as you as so uh, correctly uh, pointed out from Romans chapter eight, our minds are filled with 
uh, our interpretations of culture, our fears, our concerns, what the Holy Spirit does as we read scripture is to teach us to transcend our thoughts. Um, uh, there's a reason that our thoughts are not his thoughts and our ways are not his ways. It's because we don't let him bring often. We don't let him bring us up. It's not that we can't think like God. The Holy Spirit is in us to cause us to think like God. And I, I know that's scary to some people maybe, maybe who are hearing this. But God has no interest in you not. In fact, you can't be godly until you begin to think like God. We, and, and, and he put his spirit in us so that we can know the mind of God. The mind of God, God doesn't desire his mind to be a secret. He wants, he wants you to know his thoughts about marriage, about parenting, about, um, about politics, about health, about uh, wealth, about forgiveness. In fact, it is when we don't know the mind of God that we are most vulnerable to our own thoughts. Mm. And that is dangerous to society. So the idea that if we uh, do not have an outside authority, we will become our own authority. Absolutely. And that, and you're seeing that. You're seeing that. And so over and over again in culture, uh, over and over again in our own personal lives, we decide to usurp the throne that has been uh, obviously given to the one who is uh, to whom we bow. But we want desperately to have that authority. One of the issues that uh, we were talking about a few moments ago having to do with literature, for instance, one of the problems for um, folks in, in, the, uh, in the university concerning English, for instance, is that uh, they do not like the concept of authorial intent. And because they don't like that, one of the major reasons is because there is an authority associated with the author, which is authorial. And so as soon as you begin to talk about authority in any vein, it doesn't matter if it's literature, astronomy, zoology, doesn't matter everybody's going to kick against the goads of authority because we are humans, fallen, fallible, fragile, don't like authority. Yeah, and, 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 and where did, let me, let me comment by springboarding from, from this. Go ahead. No, in our mind, in, in our, when we have the carnal mind, the, the core of the carnal mind is selfishness, me. If, if, if I am, if I believe that my thoughts are best for me, that I want to be my authority, then that's a sign that I have not really submitted. And this, this, this is this is you know, a bold statement, but it's the truth. I, I, that's that's one sign I haven't submitted to the kingdom concept mm -hmm. of serving God mm -hmm. in the first place. Mm -hmm. And and I, I think and, and we, we discussed this a little bit last night. Um, I think one of the most dangerous concepts of, of, of phrases in the word. A word uh, to, uh, to ever exist is Christian. Hmm. I didn't say people, hmm. but uh, you know, because I think Satan is has the has used uh, in many instances people's uh, embrace of the word Christian to cover up the real truth that God is asking us to embrace, hmm. which is to become kingdom people. Hmm. Jesus said this, for example, uh, uh, and, uh, and, and, and see, as long as you embrace, uh, for many people to embrace being a Christian is, is not to necessarily submit to the kingdom concept. Mm -hmm. 
Because let me give you an example of what I mean. Jesus says, as he's teaching in his first sermon, in the book that where the kingdom of God is mentioned in the New Testament more than any other book, the book of Matthew. Mm -hmm. Jesus teaches his disciples in Acts chapter 6 and verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Then he goes on to say, that For your heavenly Father knoweth what you have need of before you ask. Mm. Here is Christ himself, who never asked us to call him, to, to call ourselves Christians. Mm -hmm. I'm going to stare at you a second. I mean, Acts chapter 11 says that, that the Antioch was the first place mm -hmm. where, where the disciples were called Christians, right? But 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 nowhere in scripture does Jesus or Paul mm -hmm. ever, with the apostle to the Gentiles, right, ever require us yeah. to go by the name. And really, that was an insult. People, mm -hmm. I guess you probably said one thing. Okay. So, 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 so Jesus <laughs> is teaching in Acts chapter 6, and he says to the people, Seek first the kingdom, yeah. not me. Mm -hmm. I'm here to show you how to live kingdom. Mm -hmm. In the sense, he excludes himself uh, in, 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 one, in one regard. Well, he certainly came to bring the kingdom. But he said, he tells these disciples these first, in his first sermon, seek first the kingdom of God mm -hmm. and his righteousness. I am coming to bring that righteousness. Mm -hmm. But the kingdom is not about me. The kingdom is about us establishing God's authority, God's society on earth. And those disciples later asked him, Lord, well, teach us to pray. He said, okay, pray like this. Our Father. First thing out of his mouth. Not me. Because there's a, there's a and I'm not, I'm not trying to insult anybody, but there's a there's a denomination of people who, who will argue Jesus only. First, Jesus said, they asked him to teach us to pray. First thing out of Jesus' mouth. Pray, our Father. Mm -hmm. Who art in heaven? Hallowed be your name. Your will be done on earth like it is in heaven. So many people, so many of us, uh, let me tie this together. Many, many, I think many, many people who, who would call themselves Christians or believers find themselves not embracing the scripture because they keep their own mind as their authority and their own understanding, let their mind interpret for them what the Bible says, but that won't work for the kingdom. And so many people are disenfranchised, believers are disenfranchised by God and have just even settled in, Mark, have settled into um, eight, out of, eight, out of my, eight out of 10 of my prayers being answered is okay. Mm. Six out of seven, you know, well, maybe someone will get healed or not. And then we'll explain away, uh, mm. well, it maybe it wasn't God's will for this person to get healed. But maybe if we stop trying so hard to, to fit the world's label of Christian and pull back the veil and find out what does this kingdom concept mean? Is there a better way of existing with God that is kingdom style living where he reigns or not? Because most many believers are disenfranchised about the Bible, disenfranchised about Christianity. And I think it has a lot to do with they don't they don't embrace Christianity uh, the way they should, which is from a kingdom perspective, where there's a king who has a constitution that we call the Bible, who 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 who, who provides certain rights for us if we live trying to bring the kingdom of God on earth instead of just being a Christian. You have been listening to Dr. Clyde Posley, pastor of Antioch Baptist Church, bringing it today.
So if you want this kind of preaching, this kind of biblical teaching, then you need to go to Antioch Baptist Church, downtown Indianapolis. We're going to be taking one song break. And when we come back, we're going to be discussing the major issue concerning uh, the, us this morning or concerned for us this morning, the inerrancy of Scripture. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. One song. We'll be right back. Whew. Man, we, we, our last guest. Think about what, 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 what you and I had done, the scientists. Mm-hmm. What was the scientist? Are you talking about Tom? The arts? No, 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 no. Oh. About the arts and the aesthetics in the church. Oh, um, McElroy, yeah. I had the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you this, friend to friend. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit has been. I've just been engulfed in. I cannot shake what he's saying. Mm-hmm. We have. I mean, you're talking about. I don't like these words, but epiphany. You're talking about a revelation for me mm-hmm. and a better understanding. We we have so made church about ourselves, mm-hmm. intellectualism, and often and what we think is best and what's best for our congregation or what's best for our culture. This thing's supposed to be about God mm-hmm. and and what God wants. Jesus fundamentally in his first major discourse, says, "Listen, I need you guys to seek first the kingdom and His righteousness." I'm coming to bring you here, put you in a position to be righteous in a manner that is pleasing to him so that he can add all things unto you. I've been telling my church when I pray with my leaders on Sunday morning, I'm focusing. I told them the rest of the time I'm your pastor. I'm going to focus my sermons more on what God wants. Mm And I, I, I'm very serious about this. I think it's so easy to get caught up in, in the politics and, and worrying mm-hmm. about what the president's doing mm-hmm. and worried about what what um, what we're doing, mm-hmm. if we're doing a good enough job, to, yeah. you can't do good enough to please to please God. Right. If, 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 if you can, then what's the role of grace? Mm, what's the role of the spirit? What's the role of the spirit? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. We can't know enough. And here's two people talk, who, who have sought to pursue the highest degrees that the world has to offer. And, and we are saying we cannot mm-hmm. please God in a way that is acceptable apart from his spirit. We can't know God in the scripture apart from submitting to his. He has to teach us. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was around some great theologians, some great instructors. Dr. A.L. Cain was one of the most, my father in the ministry and faith is one of the most intelligent man I'd ever seen. He would open his mouth and I'd seem like living waters were coming out. Mm. But he was strong. Mm-hmm. And the Holy Spirit had to help me get past his flaws, my flaws, to hear the gems and great nuggets that he would hear, mm. that he would teach, rather. And, and, and so that same thing has to be done with Scripture. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not talking the whole time. I'm just... I'm excited about this whole word of God thing because I think it's where we're er- we, we 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 err. Yeah. I, I, Jesus said it to the Pharisees once: "You do error not knowing the Scripture." Mm-hmm. Well, how do we know the Scripture? The Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit. And I think where where I think I, I think I had this conversation with someone in my church the other day. I think we think we can actually pick up this Bible. And know what it means, even even for us as, as people, as, as Philippian scholars or whatever, we have to make sure that we hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to us about loving people or about serving people. You know, 
I was I was listening to like last night I was uh they were at our table and I heard you thank uh, uh one of the people who were uh catering to our table, serving mm-hmm. our table. And uh, I was like, man, that's you know, how often do you hear that? Mm-hmm. I, I, that woman's face lit up mm-hmm. when you said you just said thank you for your service. Mm-hmm. That's that's huge. Mm-hmm. To me, that's that's one of the that's one of the expressions of Christianity. Mm-hmm. But you got to believe the Bible doesn't say do that. This, so, so specifically, mm-hmm. but you got to let the Holy Spirit interpret it for you in a way that you understand. Oh, this also means whoever you know. Yeah. But the Holy Spirit has to teach that is my point. Mm-hmm. You know, or or you just take it for granted. Yeah, that's right. You know. Uh, yeah. Well, shoot, man. I I'll just make a comment. And no, let you riff. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm just, no I'm just, this, this, You're excited, this, man. That's this good. What? The, the, because. And we are back. Warp and Woof Radio, RadioNext.tv at the Cool Group site. You listen to us every Wednesday from 10 until noon, and you find us physically at the location of 2131 East 10th Street. We have these really cool plate glass windows, by the way. You need to come by and just wave at us sometime. Or, as I've suggested earlier, come by and we'll take you out to lunch. Burger King across the street. Happy to do that. So we have been discussing this morning the inerrancy of Scripture and the necessity of understanding authority, that there has to be an authority outside of ourselves. We've, we've posited the ideas that if there is a God and he exists and he has spoken to us, then we're responsible and should be responsive to that God. Dr. Clyde's been emphasizing this point specifically as it relates to uh, how do we apply kingdom living to life and thinking uh, more strategically and just simply living the fact that the Spirit of God indwells us and uh, manifests himself in us. And as as we were talking uh, off air, and uh, we're certainly not off air because we're on Facebook Live and YouTube Live, I was thinking about one of the great statements that's made in Luke chapter 16, where uh, Jesus is telling the story about the rich man and the beggar. And uh, both uh, go into the afterlife, both die. Obviously, the uh, the rich man goes to a place that is not a very positive place. Mm-hmm. And he cries out uh, to, to the Lord and says, uh, please send somebody to tell my brothers about this place because I don't want them to be here. And the famous line, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not listen to me. Mm. Now, here is the Lord of glory who says they will not listen to me if they haven't already listened to Moses and the prophets. We're discussing the authority of Scripture today. Mm. We're talking about from the beginning, that is from Genesis through Revelation. And we're emphasizing this idea that there is no error within the Scriptures. It is inerrant. That is not in error. And we are emphasizing this a very important point because if it's not an error, if it was as it was originally given to us in the original autographs, the apostles and the, and the prophets, according to Ephesians 2.20, we bear responsibility then to the authority that it gives us. And that starts with Moses. It starts in Genesis. So maybe a good way to begin this next section, uh, Dr. Claude, is to uh, emphasize the totality of the authority of scripture, not just the pieces and parts that we like, right? Not just the thoughts that, you know, we preach on any given Sunday or our pastor preaches and we think these are really great things. 
No, we need to understand Leviticus right. is authoritative. We need to understand Chronicles is authoritative. I still believe there are some people going to get to heaven, meet Habakkuk, and wonder, <laughs> what did you do in God's economy, right, you know? Right. Yeah, we met before, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, you know, I, I like to teach, uh, I have taught uh, people this, that, that the Bible is one uh, conversation from God to man. Ooh, yeah, there you go. Uh, and, and, it, there, and while we get caught up with the separations that we call covenants, or testaments, mm -hmm. it's a, it's a continuous conversation. Mm -hmm. um, the Bible is, and, and in this conversation, God has made His points that I love you through what we have called dispensations. The Bible doesn't call them dispensations, mm -hmm. but 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 we we have labeled them for the purpose of human understanding. Mm -hmm. Dispensations, yep. dispensaries, times where God dispensed different expressions of revelation. Mm -hmm. But uh, but the um, but they're all points right. that God is using to say, see, I love you. We're, well, here's how I'm loving you now. Here, let, let me express a little more. He has given us at least nine covenants in scripture um, uh, th throughout, uh, from Moses throughout the New Testament, uh, on through the book of the Revelation mm -hmm. for the express purpose of, let, of try, letting humanity know, I'm trying to draw more near to you. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to let you know what my love has available for you. And despite your conduct, I am constantly trying to find ways that I can make you acceptable to receive what I offer you. Mm. I love you. And the one unchanging reality of that conversation in my view is that God's love has never changed. Mm -hmm. We have struggled to try to understand it. And what you, uh, despite that, what you see is a constant reaching, a constant transcendence, a constant um, reach on the part of God, uh, consistent ways where God has tried to, has, has made sure that he remained divine and holy, and yet make a, a uh, an avenue for mm -hmm. man to reach him. Mm -hmm. And so what he ultimately uh, does is send his son, reach into himself, pull out a part of himself, wrap it in flesh, but keep the core of it holy, which is Christ Jesus himself and uh, sacrifice for our sins, giving us access to him while the sacrifice remains holy at the same time. And so this redemption story is a consistent um, uh, conversation with God. Why is this important? Because if you're a person who only wants to embrace the whole, the Old Testament, you're not going to understand the, the full redemption and love story of God. Mm -hmm. If you're a person who only is interested in grace and you only want to, if you only want to be about Jesus mm -hmm. and what Jesus has to offer, mm -hmm. Jesus did not just come here. Mm -hmm. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So there is no embracing Jesus and disconnecting Jesus from the authority of God, mm -hmm. because this plan of Jesus coming, according to scripture, if God so loved the world that he gave, then that doesn't say that Jesus just decided, I'm just going. Mm -hmm. It says that God gave Jesus, mm -hmm. and then Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, according to uh, uh, John chapter 15. He gave up. He said, I will pray the Father. He will send you a comforter, and that comforter uh, who, who John chapter 16 calls the spirit of truth will guide us into all truths. Mm -hmm. Dr. Echo, the Holy Spirit told me the other day, uh, yesterday, 
yesterday. Holy Spirit spoke to my heart, said to me the other day, truth has one enemy on earth. Human agenda. Mm. Mm. Human agenda. Satan is already defeated. He has already, and Satan knows that. Because Jesus is the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. Mm-hmm. Oh, death, where is thy victory? Oh, grave. We, we, yep. okay, so, so Satan is already defeated. He's already defeated. And Satan knows that. But the big enemy to the truth in every any situation uh, marching on are the agendas of men. Because mm-hmm. if we just fall out and make up our mind that we're going to embrace as, as you as you have so hold this up so everybody can see it. <laughs> so if, if, if we're going to stick with timeless truths, the big enemy to timeless truths is human agenda. If we just commit ourselves to what is true, if if if, if I love you or if our show is committed to what it's committed to, diversity, true, biblically, biblically based uh, efforts to bring, bring together cultures, if we stick to those truths, and no other agenda gets in the way. Truth is going to win. Mm-hmm. Whenever we find what is true or what the scripture says, not being the rule in the lives of people who say the scripture is a rule, some other agenda mm-hmm. got in the way. Mm-hmm. But the truth, the truth, in my view, the truth's big, truth's biggest enemy are the, is the agendas of men, mm-hmm. are the agendas of men. And all of this, as you well suggest, pivots on the on the person and nature of Jesus, because he says, look, the one who sent me, we're talking about John chapter one here and any other number of passages, mm-hmm. Ephesians one, Revelation one, mm-hmm. all of these passages say uh, the same thing, that Jesus comes by the authority of the father. Right. So all of what Jesus says not only is true, not only is uh, exact and without error. But he says, based on what he reads from the text of the First Testament, the Old Testament, he says all of this is true as well. So when he references, let's say, for instance, in Matthew chapter 19, that when a man and a woman uh, get married, uh, that there should be uh, no divorce. He actually reaches back into Deuteronomy 24 and talks about these kinds of things. But he then references Genesis 1 and 2. (laughs) Here's our Lord, who is himself without error says that scripture is without error and therefore is the authority we're not just talking about jesus being our authority we're talking about the scripture that jesus said is our authority and he wants to make it clear in in, again in his first major discourse in the sermon on the mount he says in matthew chapter 5 and verse 13 i have come not to destroy the law, mm-hmm. but to fulfill it. That's right. So in other words, any person that thinks there is some disconnection uh, between the old Moses and the prophets, uh, major and minor, and that's a title that we put on there. There are no major or minor prophets. They're carrying the word of God. But, but uh, uh, Jesus makes it clear. I am not, he said, think not. In other words, when you're trying to figure out who I am, do not think that I have come to destroy the law. So then there is no time that Jesus Christ is ministering to us in whatever capacity he's ministering, that he is not using the full weight and authority of all of the prophets of old as he does, as he implements the new covenant. I tell people that uh, 
which is true that I have 5,000 books. I, I have 5,000 books in my house. So uh, I tell them that I would give up all my books, every one of those 5,000 books, if I could have the conversation that Jesus had with his two disciples on the road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24. I agree. Two I, hours. I, I, it takes. I, I agree. It's a seven-hour walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus. I would give all of my books for that two-hour conversation where Jesus says, and where the text says about Jesus, and he explained to them, that is the two disciples, everything from the law and the prophets and uh, everything uh, from even the poets, which includes all the manifestations of Scripture in the First Testament, all of these things as they relate to himself. I agree. Oh, my I, word. I, Wouldn't I, that I, be great? I agree. I, I'd, even, I'd even give up my low costs. Oh, oh, there you go. There you go. For those said. of you who don't know, that's, that, that's a digital platform that helps us uh, bring some of the scholarship to us uh, digitally. I, I give up my logos. <laughs> that's, 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 that's a big deal. Just, just so everybody knows what yeah. that is. Yeah, so, uh, um, yeah that, that, that's huge. And so this is important because as, as, as we, as we you know, get back to our original uh, or touch back on our original conversation, the inerrancy of scripture. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to interpret, and we learned this, you need to interpret scripture by scripture. That's right. Often when people are finding errors, what, what they in their minds, what they do is find some obscure passage mm -hmm. and do and and and, and uh, drill down on that. But if you do just just a, a statement that you made, and the Bible says this, that Jesus explained knit it together. Mm -hmm. What the prophets, uh, uh, and you've made several references to it, but he knitted together uh, what the prophets and how the poet, how poetry and Solomon and Song of Solomon, how all that um, uh, fits into his mission mm -hmm. on earth. And if you check, look, just look at how many times Jesus referred to the Old Testament, referred to what they understood, mm -hmm. what his audience understood. Mm -hmm. As he moved toward explaining the reason for his coming, uh, and and uh, and and John in the book on the Isle of Patmos did the exact same thing. He made reference to Israel and made reference uh, made, made reference and inferences to how all of this comes together. Mm. We should not allow people to take obscure passages of Scripture and use them for uh, their agenda. We should embrace the love of God as it explained as explained to us throughout the whole Bible, and we'll get a better understanding of what God is requiring for in this vast and diverse body of kingdom that He's trying to bring to the earth. So, you are listening to Warp and Woof Radio, Radio Next TV at the Cool Group site. We're going to take a one-song break, but before we do, just to let everybody know, when we come back. We're going to come back to this concept that we've been developing, uh, the inerrancy of Scripture, the, the fact that there are no errors in the Bible as it was originally given to us, and how that then is threaded throughout Scripture. We're going to come back to the threading idea and the fabric of Scripture in a moment. I want to mention uh, somebody that everybody should know about. Uh, go grab this book if you can. It's by Craig Blomberg. You spell that B L O M. B-E-R-G, Craig Blomberg. He's a professor emeritus at Denver Seminary, written a number of great books, especially on the Gospels. He's a New Testament scholar, but he wrote a book uh, in the last couple of years called Can We Trust the Bible? It's an essential read for anybody who cares about the issue of canonicity, 
and whether or not the Bible can be authoritative. Mm -hmm. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio, one song, and we'll be right back. Can we trust the Bible? Yeah, in fact, this is um, this piece kind of comes uh, from this that. No, that's actually okay. Block from uh, DTS from Dallas, okay. but he's referencing this this book. Mm -hmm. Maybe I've misquoted there. It says, "Can we believe the Bible?" I think I said, "Can we trust it?" Thanks for hanging in there with us, everybody. Those of you who are with us live on Facebook, YouTube. And uh, I found out from uh, Josh Collingwood the other day that he actually picks up some of the streams that might be missed or um, maybe has a better uh, flow. Uh, I don't even understand all of this stuff. I'm just really grateful that uh, Josh is taking care of all these things for us. Uh, he picks up on some of these streams and uh, marries them with uh, other things from the podcast and mm -hmm. makes everything flow. It's really great. Uh, but we're really grateful to have you along with us here on this ride today. Uh, we've got uh, just took down the first hour. We got one more hour left and uh, we'll talk about the threading, the fabric of scripture and why it's so imperative. And, and quite frankly, quite honestly, why that is, that's an essential marker of inerrancy, uh, that threading idea that uh, what you see in Genesis, you also see in Revelation. We'll be talking about that in just a few minutes. And we might also bring in uh, some of what people think are errors in Scripture. Good. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And there's no lack of those. You know, people keep yeah. picking at stuff. And... But you know, if you already, if you're going in thinking, well, I don't, I don't like this book. I don't trust this book. I don't think this book is true. Then you're going to find whatever you want to find. Exactly. That, there you go. You can you can pick anything and you know, uh, but but here's the problem, you know, you, you can't negate archaeology. You, you can't. Um, there a lot of what people consider to be errors in scripture. Well, there there are archaeology archaeological finds and and excav excav excavations that have proven these things, many of those things, to be the truth. Yeah. Um, but the, but then here's another thing, uh, Dr. Echo. It's true. It's amazing how people, do, so many people, don't want to uh, embrace the practicality of scripture. Mm. In other words, is loving your neighbor more than yourself better? Mm -hmm. It works. It actually does make the world better. Uh, uh, is uh, forgiving people better? It, mm -hmm. it, it, it imply, implemented that does make the world better. But, um, um, uh, if a brother be overtaken in a fault of Galatians, if your spirit, ye which are who are spiritual, restore such one spirit from spirit of meekness, considering yourself. Does that make the world better? Mm -hmm. Of course it does. One thing I've always said, for all of the people who who believe that the, that the scripture shouldn't be followed, it's not true. It's it's false. What do you have that you think is better for the world? Mm -hmm. in, in my view, in my view, men having sex with each other doesn't make the world better. Mm. Women sleeping with women doesn't make the world better. Uh, people choosing uh, as a way of life to have to use abortion as birth control mm. 
does not make the world a better place or, or violence, you know, toward people does not make the world. So, so the point I'm making is, you know, for, for so many people who, who have all these. Oh, man, What's that? Uh, yeah, loving it. Oh man, you know, I told you he's just trying to die in these guys. Okay. Okay. Yeah, looking forward to it. Okay. Uh, another guest. Okay. So so we so we have these um, so we have so many people who have these fights, but but they they they're even some atheists. What do you have to make the world a better place? You what how is how is this wrong, folks? For, for cultures and many this tribalism concept is coming forward. How is it better for us not to talk? Mm -hmm. You're a white man, I'm a black man. You think so? The world is better if we just don't talk. Mm -hmm. That's just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. That's just silly. And so, if you have if so many have all these ideas, these uh, issues, what are your ideas? And we are back, Warping the Woof Radio, Radio TV at the Cool Group site. You're listening to us every Wednesday from 10 until noon. And we come to you from 2131 East 10th Street, right across the street from the Bonner Center in the urban core of Indianapolis. Happy to be with you. Glad to share some of what we have learned in our lives with you, Dr. Clyde Bosley, Dr. Mark Eckel, here discussing the issues of inerrancy this morning and the reliability of the text of Scripture. We left off uh, talking about the issue of the threading of the Bible. That is that what you find in Genesis, you find in Revelation, that there's this consistency, this coherency, uh, this this understanding that the, the Bible is a fabric that is knit together, the fluid, right. the, the fluid nature of Scripture that mm -hmm. flows from one end to the other, that there is no inconsistency uh, in all of this, and that this being one of the great markers of the unity of Scripture, but beyond this, of course, not only that, but its authority as well. So we've been talking about the issue of the practicality of that. And how important it is to recognize that when you're uh, talking about what does the scripture say practically to our world, what benefit does it give it? Uh, we were just talking off air, at least off podcast air, about this idea that uh, what do you have to offer in its place? Right. If you think that the Christian message is so bad or that the Bible doesn't necessarily give you your authority, okay, where's yours coming yeah. from what and what plan? do you have to offer? Exactly. What, what, what plan do you have? for uh, uh, better parenting than what than what as Jesus, as, as the Old Testament introduces parenting in the book of Deuteronomy chapter uh, four through six. Mm -hmm. You know, what, what, what better plan do you have? Uh, is it better for a father not to teach his children, not to write instructions mm -hmm. uh, on their on their forehead, not to not to try to be the example? What what better plan do you have for wealth? You know, I heard I heard a guy, um, and his name is Umar Johnson, uh, and, and he's always knocking um, the church. He's saying he's speaking to black people primarily. Um, he says that we we are we we are the fools for following black preachers and and church and different stuff like that. And uh, he he says that, that that all we offer, all that black preachers offer. Uh, is um, heaven uh, at the end of all this going to church stuff? Huh. You know, that's all. And, huh? and, and he, he has he has a bunch of views that I just disagree with. Yeah. But 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 um, that's that's the kind of foolishness. That's an example 
of the kind of foolishness when people that can even fall prey to when you don't know the scripture. Mm. The Bible teaches you how to pragmatically, practically mm-hmm. live mm-hmm. as a husband. That's not about getting to heaven. Mm-hmm. That's about what, what you should do as a husband, mm-hmm. what one should do as a wife, how a child is to conduct themselves, mm-hmm. how you should treat your neighbor, the one who lives next door, literally mm-hmm. literally and figuratively. Mm-hmm. But how to treat the person who lives next door to you, or how to treat the person at the Burger King. That, that is practicality that you can learn from scripture. Uh, the Bible tells you how to overcome temptation, mm-hmm. why you get tempted. Every man is enticed when he's drawn away of his own lust. But not so long, not only does the Bible tell you why you're tempted, how you're tempted, but what to do when you're tempted. Mm-hmm. So the, the importance, and, and, and it didn't just start in the New Testament. God gives us stories and examples of people who have these struggles. Jesus comes to tell us what he wants to do about those struggles that the men of old and people had in that day. And then Paul and the other apostles with the uh, with the epistles come and explain how to do it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, from the Isle of Patmos, John explains what's going to happen because you've trusted by grace to get it done. Mm-hmm. There is a threading together uh, that is true. Mm-hmm. And lastly, I want to say the thread, what we're calling the thread, is the presence of, uh, of the Spirit, mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Who, 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 uh, uh, we see the the book of Genesis introducing spirit activity. Mm-hmm. We see uh, the Holy Spirit falling on people. Who did who the Holy Spirit fall on first? The, the artists. The artists. Yeah. The, 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 the artistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we, and then the Holy Spirit was poured, smeared on people mm-hmm. constantly throughout the whole, the, the Old Testament. The prophets had the Holy Spirit fall on them. Mm-hmm. Then the whole, Jesus came uh, uh, the Bible says the forerunner of Jesus, John the Baptist, was full of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Then Jesus came and taught about the Spirit and then left the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so the weaving together of the message of love of God so that there could be inerrancy in Scripture and understanding God is by the presence of the power of the Holy Spirit and power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. This authority comes to us, obviously, from uh, outside of us, a supernatural source. Uh, The one who has given it to us, obviously, the Father sent the Son, and the Father and the Son send the Spirit. Certainly one of the great threads of Scripture, as Dr. Clyde has has well pointed out. One of the things that we mentioned off-air, again, bringing back into this conversation about the threading issue and about what what do others have to offer in comparison that is in contrast to a biblical view I think it's really important uh, for Christians to recognize that when somebody questions the Bible, um, the, the response that we need to give to that particular question is, um, what do you have to put in this place? Right. So one of the things that I've noticed, uh, back to some of the discussion we were having just a few moments ago, is this concept that how, how do you come up with truth? So one of the books that I read, I think it was back in 2010, 2011, something like this, uh, by a man whose last name is Smith, actually, he, he said, look, you need to understand that everybody who is not a Christian is smuggling in their ethics from the Bible. You cannot speak to anything that is outside of your purview. You can't speak to things that are like your ethics or your values or anything that has to do with conscience Anything that that is outside the parameters of scientific involvement, material, natural 
um, uh, forces. Uh, you can't speak to any of those things. But as soon as you use those words, you are smuggling in Christian concepts. So I would only take issue with the word smuggling because for years I've been telling my students that the only way that Harvard can teach ethics in their business school is because they stole it from us. So <laughs> whether you talk about smuggling, whether you talk about stealing, uh, the whole conversation revolves around the fact that there has to be an origin outside of us from which this objective concept comes to us of right and wrong, about conscience, about those things which we cannot see, but we know to be true. Yeah, that, that, I, want you, I want you to continue there. That, 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 that is true because um, we, are, we are at our most vulnerable as a society when we tell us what we need to do. Mm -hmm. So this, this idea that the human-centered uh, point of view is mm -hmm. a better point of view than a God-centered point of view. Right. If we, if we take, just take that on as, as one idea, consider the implications of this. Uh, when people say to me, well, you know, the Bible's an old book, and it, it really isn't relevant. You know, we put men on the moon. Uh, we have cell phones. You know, the Bible doesn't speak to any of those things. It doesn't talk about nuclear power. Uh, all of those things. And I'll, I'll say to them, absolutely, the Bible doesn't talk about any of those things. But as soon as, and I continue the conversation, as soon as we stop killing each other, as soon as there's, there's no longer any disease, as soon as people uh, discontinue their violence, uh, then I will say that the Bible has no implications for the culture in which we live. Because the Bible speaks to the universal truths of all humans. That has to do with our nature and that is the reason why we cannot have a man-centered ethic. We cannot have a man-centered value base because we are always going to be corrupt. We will always think of ourselves first. We will not consider others to be better than ourselves. And so if you compare the God-centered versus man-centered perspective, what do you find? You find the fallenness and the faultiness of a man-centered point of view and the God-centered point of view sets up the standard that is outside of us can't be moved. This idea of a standard is what we hate and what the man-centered point of view cannot, cannot uh, want, want to take on as its authority. And it doesn't matter what venue it might be in, whether it's in science or the arts or uh, mathematics or literature or anything else, whatever uh, area of life where somebody suggests there's an authority, we don't want it because there's someone outside of ourselves. That's, 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 a, that's, that's a powerful point. What, what, as you spoke, my mind went back to uh, something uh, else that we, we, we talked about because we kind of mentioned it to my mind that, you know, I don't want the Bible to speak about putting a man on the moon. I don't want the Bible, uh, for, for those critics who say those, those things that you said, I don't want the Bible, the, the Bible is not mechanics today. You know, the, the Bible is not uh, about um, trying to teach us so much about art, culture, and botany, and different things like that. The love story that I said the Bible, and we would agree that the Bible is about in terms of God loving man, is about God doing something about the condition of the human, of original sin. Mm -hmm. And that's what the Bible talks about. Mm -hmm. Why we put a man on the moon mm -hmm. will be addressed when a man's heart is fixed. Mm -hmm. Or why we, why, why we why we should have a gun or not, or why we should there should be abortion or not, or why we should uh, have uh, diversity, uh, come together of cultures or not. 
is dealt with when we deal with the condition of man, which is what you kind of alluded to earlier. The Bible, and a lot of people are trying to hold the Bible up to a standard that the Bible is not attempting to discuss. The Bible is about God's love, about fallen humanity, Mm -hmm. and what he has done about it, and what's available to you since he's done something about it to make you acceptable to him. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, we could, yeah, we could put men on the moon. We could, there's a bigger issue than putting a man on the moon. <laughs> That's right. That's <laughs> and right. God is focused on that issue. That's right. There's a bigger issue than the, the Paris Accord uh, or, or global warming. Uh, there, there are bigger issues than that. And it is the human condition. People aren't, more people are dying because of the human condition than because of the black hole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are more people dying. Uh, there are more mur- murders aren't happening because of global warming, and, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm eco-friendly. But murders aren't murders aren't happening, and abortions aren't happening, and and domestic violence isn't happening because of global warming, mm-hmm. or because of, of whether or not there's a man on the moon. They're happening because of the condition and the hearts, the black hearts of men. Mm-hmm. And God wants to heal us from the inside out. Mm-hmm. We live in a world today that wants to make the world a better place, and we think that'll make people better. Mm-hmm. Better. That won't happen. Mm-hmm. You're gonna want to say this again. I'm mm-hmm. telling you, we, the world gets better from the inside out. That's right. And 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 I'm and I'm kind of tired of people believing that somehow if we make the skies bluer and the oceans bluer, that the world will be a better place. No, yeah. the world's a better place when people start when people. Uh, become new creatures. One of the things I want to address with, let's, you know, just pick up on some of your examples here. If I, if I'm speaking with an environmentalist and I say to them, uh, or they say to me, you know, we need to be more eco-friendly and, and we need to do this and that and the other thing. My first question to them is going to be, why, why should I care? If, and then I will ask the next question, which is, are you an evolutionist? And 99 times out of a hundred, the person who's the environmentalist is the evolutionist. The evolutionist believes in chaos. The evolutionist believes in the strong survive and bread and tooth and claw and a bloody culture. Well, hey, if that's the way it is, then maybe this is the way evolution should go. I don't understand that why. That is the end of that theory, and I hate, to, I hate to, that to be the reality. It's right, exactly that's, right. Logically, that's the result. That... That's right. The issue is always one of why. So why can you tell me that this thing is right or wrong, and you're going to tell me on the basis of a human-centered point of view? You're going to suggest that somehow an environmentally friendly perspective uh, has its ethic that arises literally out of thin air and that I should believe you just because you said it to be true? Why? I don't care about the future. I don't care about, I'm speaking tongue in cheek here. I don't care about the future of society. I only care about myself. Well, you know what? If that's, ex- if that's where I'm, I'm really focused in my personal life, then why should I care about the next generation? What is it about the next generation that that is that so matters to me? Well, there's a why answer. To, there's an answer to the why question that gets us back to a biblical vantage point and helps us understand the authority comes from the Bible. Yeah, and that, that's 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 a good analogy. I was, I was, you know, just so the audience knows, he, he was giving an analogy. I, I was kidding. <laughs> yeah, I was kidding. <laughs> you know that that, that 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 is so true. You know, we have we have to make up our minds. We want care for the world. I, I believe. It's dangerous to dump all these computers near oceans or in oceans. You pollute the water. I believe we should cut down on our, our, our use of plastic if we can. Absolutely, Absolutely believe that. I, I believe that. Um, I, I do. I, I believe that the temperature of the earth is rising, and that can be a dangerous thing. 
but at this, but I don't believe anything is more important than than fixing the human plight. Mm. That if we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these things shall be added to us. Mm. I believe that the more we obey a and search for intimacy with God and under, we get more revelation and that takes care of all these other things. The world, in my view, will not be better if we fix global warming today, for example. Mm -hmm. Let's say if we fix all of the ecosystem problems and we fix uh, pollution, we fix, that does not make people better. And so man would devise another way to be, meet his selfish ends that did not care about how it affected other people. If we don't fix man. Mm -hmm. so. so the ultimate issue here is one of an internal change. That's ultimately what yeah. we're concerned about. And I, I, at this juncture, I wish we had a whiteboard behind us because this is where I want to go to the whiteboard and I want to start drawing and <laughs> writing things, you know, and all this kind of thing. I just picture with me, if you would, four circles and one on top of the other. So you've got two sets of circles, one on top of the other. And over one uh, set of circles, you write the word culture. And over the second set of circles, you write the word Christian. And then next to the circles, so you have two circles coming down and two circles coming across. Next to the circles coming across, write sin and salvation. So what does the culture teach about sin? Well, the culture teaches about sin that the problem is outside of us. It's external to us that all of our problems are out there and that that's what's invading us and making us bad. Whereas the, the biblical view is that the real problem is inside of us and that that's what needs to change to Dr. Clyde's point. And then to the issue of salvation. So the cultural view of salvation is I can save myself. I'm good enough to save myself. But the biblical view is no, I can't save myself. I'm not good enough. I need an outside source for that salvation. And so it comes from outside that particular circle. I emphasize those ideas right now because of what Dr. Clyde's emphasizing, uh, which is the most important point. That is what the scripture really care about. Scripture isn't necessarily about putting men on the moon. Uh, scripture is about how do we change man. the heart of man? Right. Absolutely. And, and, and the church, the body of Christ. Whether, despite what labels we put on it, the black church, evangelicals, whatever the case, I'm talking about believers, the, the kingdom of earth, the kingdom of God on earth. We, we better be very prayerful that we don't become in a, a mirror uh, image of uh, some secular concepts. And here's what I mean by that, Dr. Edwin. You just explained eloquently uh, that, that, that analogy. Uh, but at the same time, the church, who is supposed to be the salt of the earth, mm -hmm. had better be careful thinking that uh, politics or a political figure can answer our right. responsibilities. That's right. Politics cannot answer the call that God has for the church. That's right. We are the salt of the earth. And if the salt loses, not, not, not outside, but if the salt loses its savor, wherewithal shall the world be shall the church be, be salted right. we have to we have to be careful that we that we that we cease that we start pushing our responsibilities and and uh what, what was the speaker's name last night uh uh be right be right mm -hmm. uh well, that that it was that was a good analogy last night where's the church mm -hmm. where's the church often instead of um the church going to be 
the change we want. We 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 want to pray for the change we want. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And not be invested. We in are the salt. We need to be invested in it personally. Yeah. The church is the salt. Mm -hmm. And there's the intentionality of the inerrancy issue. If if indeed the scripture is what it says it is, that is without error because the God who has given it is without error. Mm -hmm. If that's the case, then it actually is an authority for us. So we've been discussing, Dr. Bosley and myself, we've been discussing the practical implications of what does it mean if the Bible is without error? And that's what we really have been talking about in the last uh, 15, 20 minutes. We're going to need to take a break here, one last break. And when we come back, we're going to finish our discussion not only about the necessity of understanding that the Scripture is uh, reliable, trustworthy, uh, credible, uh, something that we can uh, not only hold on to but gives everyone hope. But we will continue our discussion about what change it should make in the lives of the individuals who say they believe it and then, of course, should work right. it out. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio, radionext.tv at the Cool Group site. We're going to take one song break. We'll be right back. You know, I'm, I'm thinking here about uh, you have uh, Muslims, you know, black Muslims. You have, you know, various sex religions, whatever the case, who will tell you that their, their, their concepts are so much better than Christian or kingdom a kingdom of God concepts. But you have Muslims murdering Muslims. You all are using the same Quran. Mm -hmm. And 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 you have Muslims murdering Muslims. You know, you have uh you have um Muslims who are not supposed to take on a wife that they can't take care of who not who are not taking care of their wives. You have all these different concepts that you say is so much better than the Bible, but what we say is a reality, which is original sin, is a is present in each one of your. Now, what you all say is not present in, in what we believe, but what we tell you is the truth is present in all of what you believe. One of the things that's always struck me as a, as a powerful statement about the reliability and trustworthiness of Scripture is how honest the Bible is. Uh, when you stop to think about what does the Bible think about its kings or its prophets or its apostles and shows uh, all of these men and women as, as feet of clay? Yeah, right. the issue of transparency is huge. So when you stop to think about it, the honesty of the Bible, it's not trying to sugarcoat anything. It's not trying to whitewash uh, whatever you think it might be trying to cover up. There's no cover up in the Bible. Right. God shows us for who we, we are. You take, for example, uh, Peter and Paul in Galatians chapter 2. Uh, Peter was... Uh, beginning to promote a biased, prejudiced point of view among people groups in the in the book of Galatia or in the province of Galatia. Mm -hmm. And Paul calls him on it. I mean, here you have this idea that somehow these guys uh, were absolutely perfect. No, nothing, nothing could be further from the truth. Mm -hmm. So I, I love that that's honestly one of the greatest statements of inerrancy. That is that the Bible is honest to who we are as people. Yeah, and 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 look at and look at the different cultures of people that the Bible makes sure it it shows uh, God reaching out to the Ninevites with uh, yeah uh, John. with John mm -hmm. uh, the before that the stranger making mm -hmm. making allowances for the stranger yeah 
Um, these, now, keep in mind, some of these strangers were enemies to right. you know, <laughs> right. you know the, the Israel and the Commonwealth of Israel. Uh, uh, the woman at the well, uh, by many instances, would be considered a heart of a whore. Mm -hmm. Jesus said, I must <laughs> mm -hmm. go where this woman is. Uh, the woman called adultery. Uh, the the um, uh, just just several cultures that the Bible uh, uh, the reaching out to the Gentiles, reaching out to the centurion, you know uh, the the people who would ultimately come and arrest him, mm -hmm. you know. So so and so it seems that Christianity and, and I can't they keep using this term. I'm trying to get away from it, you know. But the kingdom of people of the kingdom of God, um, Christians. Uh, uh, we seem to have the only approach that is universal of the of the five supposedly big five religions in the world. Mm -hmm. That 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 by and large we we seem to be the only um, uh, approach to to quote unquote religion that does something about original sin. Mm -hmm. That doesn't try to fix mm -hmm. what you are and and soup up who you are. Yeah. And, you know, we really uh, we're talking about the two major doctrines that really run through every single discussion that anybody has anywhere in the world. And that is what is truth? What is, is there an absolute truth? And what is the problem with human beings? Uh, those two things, I call them with my students, the pillars, those two pillars really are the, the basis for which everything else or, or the Christian message is is holding up. There is a right and wrong. There is an established authority. And there is a problem with us, and it's shot through every single thing that we do. So, okay, we're coming back in here. We'll stop the conversation until I bring us back into uh, the podcast again. And we are back, Warp and Woof Radio, RadioNext.tv, at the Cool Groove site. We come to you every Wednesday from 10 until noon. And this uh, week, we're talking about the issue of inerrancy. That is the mm -hmm. Bible without error. And the concept is not something that's simply an academic exercise. It's not simply an intellectual uh, process to which we've given ourselves. Uh, the issue that we confront is very practical and personal to uh, the rights and the wrongs of the world in which we live and the importance of seeing ourselves for who and what we are. So on break, for those of you who didn't hear the radio or were on, listening to us on radio and didn't hear us say some of these things, uh, we're going to repeat a couple of the concepts that we emphasize. Uh, one of the concepts that we emphasized here was the uh, honesty of the Bible. Mm -hmm. One of the ways I believe that you can trust Scripture is that it shows human beings for who and what we are. There is no whitewash of the church. There is no whitewash of Israel. There is no whitewash of uh, the biblical concepts that uh, were not obeyed by people who said that they believed. Uh, one of the things that is uh, really problematic here, I think, for a lot of people who discount the credibility of Scripture has little to do with the text of Scripture and much more to do with the people that say that they believe in the text of Scripture. Because we are fallen, finite creatures, the problems that we face are our own, not the text of Scripture. I'm always mindful of what Mark Twain once said, he said, the things that bother me in the Bible aren't the 10% that I don't understand. It's the 90% I do understand that makes the problem for me. Uh, namely that there's a responsibility. Uh, once you read it, once you understand as, it, as authoritative, 
then you actually bear responsibility for it, and there's the problem. Yeah, I always thought that's one of the things I love about scripture. The 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 relevance the the, the of the characters with my own life. Mm. I mean, and, and that and that's part of one of the things that people don't like about scripture. You can find you you and your flaws in in several script uh, uh, characters of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I hate to use the word character people. Yeah. You know of the Bible, there are struggles that Moses had with his temper that people can relate to if they will be honest. Yeah. That's that's something that they're akin to. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Moses' concern because of his speech impediment. When I was a kid, I stuttered uh, badly, and 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 so I can I can relate to that. Uh, um, Elijah, uh, as powerful as he was. And I might be preaching about him tonight, but Elijah, as powerful as he was, had moments of self-doubt and, and issues with depression. Mm-hmm. And he was brilliant. Mm-hmm. He was he was the leading prophet of his day. But he had a tendency to be so afraid of his nemesis at times that he asked God mm-hmm. to kill him mm-hmm. rather than face some of his responsibilities. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Jeremiah struggled with depression. Mm-hmm. If, if you check this, uh, 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 Peter, Peter had a had a had was fearful, was anger and fear or married. Mm-hmm. And so, when a person has an anger problem, there's something that they fear that they don't feel they have the uh, ability to control. Mm-hmm. And and so, I, I, I'm going down this litany, uh, uh, Dr. Echo, because one of the reasons to embrace scripture is because. We are in it. <laughs> you know, yeah. you, you, if you be honest, you can find you in these in these in these people. And 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 so rather than use uh the flaws of man not to uh embrace the scripture, why not look upon scripture and the reality and the transparency that the that the Holy Spirit has bring, bring forth as a reason to say, you know what, this is more like what more real than, than I'm, I maybe will, will admit. Our concern, obviously, when we hear people talk about, you know, be good to each other, uh, be respectful, be kind, uh, often I'm going to ask them, so where'd that come from? That's right. Where are, where are you getting kindness or respect or generosity or grace? Mm-hmm. Where do any of these things yeah. come from, from a human vantage point? Yeah, and why is it, and let, let's be, and, and, and this is, this is, this is, this is, this is important about that. The hardest, most evil criminal has a heart. Mm-hmm. Years ago, I wasn't, let's just say I wasn't born. A, I, I may have been born a preacher, but I didn't know it for years. <laughs> let's say that. Okay. And, and so I, I grew up in, in urban America, you know, in the inner cities. I, I knew of drug dealers. I knew murderers. I knew uh, guys who were uh, Prostitutes of, of both races, of all races. I, I came, around, came up around some rough people. I don't care how violent they may have been or what rumors about their violence may have been, they had a heart about something. Yeah. They their cared mother, about something. Something. Yeah. Their mother, mm-hmm. their children. Mm-hmm. I, I've known people who, would, who, who have sold drugs uh, at a school. But would murder someone who sold drugs to their child mm-hmm. or around their child's school. 
Here, here's where I'm going with this. Where'd that heart come from? That's right. Yep. They weren't Christians. That's right. They weren't born again. Mm -hmm. So wh where did the concepts of right or wrong or tenderness or mercy come from? Mm -hmm. It comes from God. Mm -hmm. Because it is the goodness of God that leadeth a man to repentance. Mm -hmm. God is working in the conscience of a man or woman before they even come to Christ. Mm -hmm. So to deny the truth that there is a God according to what scripture is just it's just just doesn't make sense mm. because there are people who who is not let's not make this about scripture for just a second okay let's make it about the fact that God has put the ability to be tender kind and potentially loving mm. in the heart of every man mm. so we're talking about the image of God in that sense absolutely so there's a different kind and of how it was made yeah that's right there's a different kind of writing going on there. the writing on the human heart that's right Right, which God says in Jeremiah will be. That's right. That's right. So when you stop to think about what has been written, it's what has been written by God is not simply in the text of Scripture, but on every human heart. That's exactly where I'm at. Yeah. So this concept is crucial because now we're saying that there is this God who not only has given us the the literature and the text of Scripture to to teach us how to live and where did all of this come from and how did it originate and why it's important. But he's actually within this text of scripture then telling us, here's the reason why you can say a pimp or a prostitute or a murderer may actually care about, give mercy to something or someone outside of themselves. Right. That it has been written on their heart. And this comes right out of Romans chapter 2. Mm -hmm. The reason why we can uh, say this, I'm thinking about Romans 2, 14 and 15, where Paul says, that even the pagan person, right. even the pagan person has a conscience. Now, the conscience will not save, nor in Romans 1 will creation save, even right. though both give testimony. Right. But they give testimony to the fact that this God exists, that he has spoken, that there is a word to which they must give an account. Mm -hmm. And this is what we can expect from pagan people, that there will be truthfulness given and that this truthfulness is resonant not only within the cultures that we live in, but with each within, within each in individual. There is they are cognizant yes. of right and wrong, mm -hmm. good and bad. They are I didn't say they were they 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 were theological about it. Mm -hmm. They 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 I, I doesn't mean they have to believe in God, right? But they are but something in them says this should be done. Mm -hmm. This probably shouldn't be done. Yeah. You know, even if, and what that what that really takes us to is some of women I want to go, but what what how justification manifests itself in people who do not understand biblical justification. Okay. Because you know that we can people determine what is right when right. they don't know God. <laughs> they have a justification for what is right, which is why a drug dealer can kill your kids and protect his kids because mm -hmm. he's justifying in his mind. But 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 uh, you know, getting back to our point. You know, uh, I believe people are born, even babies, you know, ba babies are born with an understanding of, of, of uh, to some degree, what is right, what is wrong, not in the sense that we do, of course not, right. but but uh, uh, there's a hope, there's a help. Mm. When the first time that cry is answered to us for suckling with the mother, that baby can begins to understand at a very basic level, if I do this, I'll get this consequence. Mm. If I want this consequence, I need to do more of this. Mm. So I cry and I get consequence. So, so, uh, so, um, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, even at a basic level, 
there's an understanding of, of right and wrong. And so the, the, I think the point Mark, that Dr. Eccles and I are trying to make is that even some people that try to say that they that screwed up about right and wrong because of scripture. Or you understand right and wrong before you embrace scripture. Mm. This is uh, this right and wrong thing is a really powerful issue in it. And we're taking all of this back to the issue of inerrancy because we're saying that if there's an authority outside of us, that this authority must be without error. That is, in the mm -hmm. practical sense of things, there has to be something, some standard by which we can say, here's the 100% mark. Here's the issue of perfection. This is where we see uh, where we can say this is true and this is false. We go all the way back to Genesis chapter 4, for instance, and we see the difference between Cain and Abel. This is, you know, a very powerful statement. Some of the greatest literature in the world has been written about this concept. Thinking about John Steinbeck, East of Eden, for instance. But here you have Cain and Abel. Well, what was the problem here with between Cain and Abel? It wasn't between Cain and Abel. It was between Cain and Abel and their view of what God's standard mm, was. Exactly this right. is the problem. Now, why did Cain kill his brother Abel? Cain killed his brother Abel not because he was uh, concerned that somehow he didn't measure up to God's standard. He was concerned that his brother did, and he wanted to take him That's down right. a peg. That's and right. by taking him down a peg, exactly. that literally meant taking his That's life. That's right. So the first act of domestic violence was born out of jealousy. That's right. So when you stop to think about, okay, here's the standard that God set, and what do we do with the standard? The standard we're always going to break. We cannot abide it. We don't want it for what any, whatever given reason there might be. And we could list a plethora of sins that we all engage with on a regular basis. The problem for us is not the scriptures uh, issue of can we trust this Bible? The problem is, can we trust ourselves? Right. And the answer is no, decidedly right. no. And, and, and you'll find that people have a problem with that. They'll call it legalism. Oh, I don't want to follow the Bible. All these shit, I'll shout not to all this. Mm -hmm. The problem is not with the Bible. Mm -hmm. The problem is that you don't want to not do what he said, I shall not do. <laughs> and, and, and that's what you're saying. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that and, and we, we live in a world that, well, that's, and even in, in, in the body of Christ, we, 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 we're getting to, we don't like uncomfortable sermons often. Mm -hmm. I, I, I preached sermon one time years ago. I had a coworker when I was working, uh, when I wasn't a senior, when I wasn't a full-time pastor, invited uh, a young lady from church, from work, she came to church, and uh, she, she said to me, uh, Man, you know, I think you're a good preacher. I said, oh, thank you. I was probably 20, you know, 23 or 4. I was just excited because she was middle-aged, but I thought she, you know. She said, the only problem is your sermon was, like, so convicting. <laughs> you know, you, you had me thinking about my life and, 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 and whether or not I should be doing certain things. And I didn't really comfort it. I came to support you. Mm. Wow. And that was Sarah. I said, Wow. She said, what? I said, I, I cannot believe that you could turn me down and compliment me at the same time. <laughs> oh, wow. I, 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 said, I said, honey, listen, the scripture is designed to confront you. Mm -hmm. Not Sarah, but Sarah's condition. Mm -hmm. and, and, and if you ever come to hear me preach again, don't come to hear me preach. Mm -hmm. Come to hear God. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and the world, I think, I'm not sure, you know, Dr. Echo, you, you ain't want to comment about this. You know, I, I think there is a waning passion to be confronted within many in the body of Christ. 
Yeah, we don't like confrontation. Uh, and that is, we don't like Not to scripture. be confronted yeah. with scripture. Uh, we don't like the concept of truth that we, here's what we don't like. We don't like that we might be wrong. We don't like that. I don't like that. When my wife and I have a discussion, sometimes uh, it turns decibel levels up a little bit. You know, when we talk about these things, I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to be wrong either. And the problem is I often she doesn't, am. And she doesn't either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> and so we even see it between ourselves. And so then we have to ask ourselves a question. Okay, is this just simply between a man and a woman? Is this just simply between two community groups, between two political entities? No, this is the problem within ourselves. We cannot live with ourselves because we have this uh, strong desire never to be confronted by, convicted of uh, anything that has that bears the mark of a truthfulness uh, between us. And this is a crucial issue. That is some, really something because the other side of that is that when progress in relationships, whether marriage, cultures, happen, doesn't it normally happen when someone acknowledges, you know what, mm-hmm. you're right. I got need to deal with me. What you, what, what, what you, that, 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 I mean, normally when, when some breakthrough happens that, that escalates, that, that, that helps us grow, mm-hmm. you know, I've grown on this show. I've grown at my church. I've, you know, it's my job to be quote unquote right at my, at, at my job as mm-hmm. a pastor. But in, in, in 20 years at this church, there's been some time I've had to admit, you know, I should have listened to you guys. Mm-hmm. Let's go back and do it your way. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And if, if 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 cultures, if you and I, or cultures, or whatever, or husbands and wives, never get to the place where someone says, you know what, you're, you're right, and I just didn't want to be wrong. Let's let's do it your way. That's when progress happens. Man. We, if we can't get to that. We're gonna stay stuck in gridlock, whether it's politics, relationships, marriage, and gridlock doesn't help uh, the world be a better place. The concept of the practicality of the doctrine of inerrancy is what we're really emphasizing here toward the end of our show. That is, can we say that that any kind of teaching about the Bible uh, without error has practical implications for our lives? And the answer is, yeah, it does. Uh, We've been giving a number of those here in the last uh, few moments here in this last then the second hour of our, our show. Uh, let me just pick up on something that Dr. Posey has suggested here uh, to us, and, and I just want it to be the one word, and that's the word should. One of the things that I tell people consistently is as soon as you say the word should, you are, first of all, acknowledging an ethical standard or a system. You're saying that that ethical standard or system must be followed, and that you're also saying that you have a a recourse or a resource for this ethical standard, which that is that it comes from someplace. So when you talk about these things or when you use the word should, the very idea that you're suggesting that somebody else must or must not do something has to have a source of authority. And that source of authority has to be without error. Otherwise, why should we even care about uh, arranging our lives around it? And what we're suggesting here this morning is that uh, for Dr. Posley and myself and many other believers in Jesus uh, in and around Indianapolis, much less the world, is that it really comes down to an issue of authority. Can we say that this is uh, something that we should follow 
because we have this standard that's been set for us outside of us, and we now bear an account to it. I agree. I think my final word would be uh, relative to uh, this great discussion today. And thanks for agreeing. We, we, we kind of decided late to, to do this discussion. Mm -hmm. And I, I think we're, we're our best when we, when we do this. Yeah. I mean, we like having guests. But I think we need, sometimes we need to talk that helps us both wear out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Go ahead. You know, I, I think at the core of all of, I think the Bible's inerrancy is so important because it is the greatest book of reconciliation known to man. Mm. And the Bible says that we should always be ready for reconciliation. Mm. That that we're here. And I don't care what's going on, what what, what a person's thoughts for or against Trump or for or against uh, a, a Republican or Democrat, for or against Kavanaugh, for or against whatever. The Christian job, the believer's job, the kingdom agenda is to always be ready to reconcile broken hearts and broken people mm. to a Christ who loves them. Mm. This is the whole point of Second Corinthians chapter five, that uh, and we bear the responsibility, of course, to be those agents of redemption, yeah, reconciliation. redemption reconciliation. That's what the passage says there. Uh, if you want to check that out, everybody, that's Second Corinthians chapter five, seventeen to twenty-one. Uh, you can find that passage there. Uh, we are coming down to the end of the show. Dr. Clyde, why don't you tell everybody where you're going to be here the next few nights? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'm, going, I'm preaching a, re a revival uh, three nights at the New Revelation Baptist Church at 1806 North Alabama. And uh, I'm going to be there sharing the word of God uh, as, as the Holy Spirit gives me utterance at beginning at 7 o'clock uh, tonight. Uh, Friday, tonight, Thursday, Friday, uh, here at the, the, the New Revelation Baptist Church, their annual fall revival, 1806 North Alabama Street in the heart of the city. Uh, the pastor is Christopher Ball, and um, I will be there. My choir will be there on Friday night, and uh, I intend to preach the gospel with all my might. There you go. I'm looking forward to uh, seeing if I can come down, slip in for a bit uh, tomorrow night, Thursday night, to hear you preach. It's always a wonder uh, to see this man preach. If you ever get a chance, Indianapolis, around uh, around town, make sure to, to uh, tune in to Dr. He's my Clyde friend. Bozeman. He's being too kind. <laughs> he suffers me. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> We've been having a great time here this morning. Thank you ever so much for joining us. Always, uh, my friend. We are going to uh, call it quits here for another week. Uh, next week, however, we have a, some special guests coming in. In fact, for the next two weeks, uh, we're going to be uh, hearing from small business people. Uh, so John and Tiffany are going to be joining us out from the Avon Brownsburg area. And uh, it's going to be a wonderful opportunity to hear them and talk about what they're doing in this life. One other plug, my, my, the NCI Church is, is, is providing, buying, providing, and serving Thanksgiving dinner mm. for the Day Spring Shelter. Okay. Uh, we need volunteers. We need as many volunteers as, uh, as we can. We are putting our Thanksgiving dinner, uh, pushing our members of, of our church are pushing our dinner to another time. But uh, at 1230, we're going to be serving dinner. We're cooking the dinner. We're buying the dinner. We're cooking the dinner. And we're going to serve uh, 14 to 16 families Thanksgiving. They won't spend a dime. We're going to try to make sure that we not only uh, buy enough and feed it, but we're going to leave leftovers there. We're going to make sure that we bring groceries and enough to bless that family and put somebody else's uh, day 
mm. on Thanksgiving morning above ours. Mm. So the emphasis on holiday, make it a holy day, set it apart. Certainly, again, the call of the Christian uh, in every culture, in every time period. You've been listening to Warp and Oof Radio, Radio Next.tv at the Cool Groove site. We come to you every Wednesday, 10 till noon. We're looking forward to next week already. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll be back next week. See you then.